Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Today, I'm talking with a fellow Canadian, Dwayne Orser. Dwayne has been working in the helping field for about 20 years and is a certified clinical counselor. Dwayne first trained and worked as an addictions counselor in a residential treatment center for five years. He has an extensive background working with addiction, integrated body psychotherapy, coaching, and dialectical behavioral inspired therapy. Dwayne now has a private practice located in Nanaimo, British Columbia, and works with individuals, couples, and families with an array of mental health, substance misuse, and relationship challenges. He has been married 14 years to his lovely wife, Sarah, and is a dad of two. Dwayne, thanks for being a guest on the show today. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, well, I am a certified clinical counselor. Basically, what I, I do is I um, help people through you know certain issues. They'll come into my office um, wanting to make changes in their life, and um, you know from that point we you know find a find you know a common goal and and uh, you know like client centered goal in you know making those changes and you know putting putting things you know in a I guess maybe a right space for them in their in their lives. And how did you get started? How did you get involved? And become a counselor. Um, that's a very interesting question. I think I was like born a counselor, um, and that may come across as like you know a little flippant or whatever. But I think you know, growing up in my family of origin, you know, it was uh, how do I describe it? It was I would say it was a little dysfunctional, and so you know that being said you know, I, I think part of my, you know, my, you know, genetic makeup just to be a part of that family um, was to make everything okay. And so, you know, you flash forward through a bunch of, you know, relationships and, and, and careers, um, <laughs> you know, you know, I think part of it is just like, you know, with, you know, wanting to caretake and, and, and fix everything, uh, psychology just seemed to fit right uh, for me when I was going to university and once I was finished, um, there's a treatment center here in Nanaimo and I, um, I got hired on there as a support staff. And I think the rest after that was just like, you know, I kind of dovetailed into as I was, you know, as a, as an addictions counselor there for about five years and really kind of recognizing that while I was there, I also needed to look at myself and I, and I honestly, I didn't know how to do that. And I, and I think that's kind of, for me, the jumping off point of like, you know, so I spent, I spent five years as an addictions counselor, you know, trying to fix everybody in the treatment center. But the problem that I was, uh, that, that was happening for me was how much I was giving myself away in, in that, in, you know, in that, uh, you know, in that arena. Right. So with, with that, um, what, I, what I recognized was that I also needed help. I actually needed to take responsibility for what I grew up in 
that came about in a in a very you know backdoor way in in regards to um, you know a lady uh, was asking for some advice in regards to her husband you know her and I you know on paper both of us had our psych degrees you know very you know very intellectual lady you know she's got her career on the go and you know doing well for herself meanwhile her husband's in treatment and she's like I don't even know what to do with myself. And I'm like, that's interesting. And so, you know, so part of it is like when I kind of said to her, well, maybe you should check out some meetings for, you know, spouses, you know, you know, I knew, I knew when I I said that it kind of landed empty for me because here I am in this system and I'm not actually taking my own advice. Right. Right. So it's just like, yeah. So it's just like, so for me, there was a level of integrity that went along with that. And it was kind of, as I said it, like that, that sort of empty pit in my stomach of like, Ooh, this is what I need to do for myself to keep myself sane and keep myself healthy. So, and I love what you're talking about because now I'm relating it to parents who are raising children with reactive attachment disorder. Totally. Yeah. Because I think that's what, well, I know that that's what happens and we get so focused as parents trying to heal the rad child or just survive ourselves in the chaos Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to get help for the child, get help for ourselves, but we don't really put the focus on ourselves. We just are in that high level of constant stress. And really the primary focus is survival because, you know, rad is a spectrum. And so, you know, you could have I don't know if there is such a thing as a mild (laughs) rad kid, but Mm -hmm. in the world of rad mild to the kids that are homicidal, suicidal, and scary in the home. So at some level, parents are living in constant stress and rather than looking at themselves, because you don't feel like you even have the time or the capacity to do that. It's interesting because I think what you're saying is, is the same thing that we experience. Yeah. I think part of, you know, part of what I learned, you know, what, you know, as I, as I moved through and and got help for myself was just like, so, you know, really kind of, you know, thumbing through, you know, what did I grow up in? Right. And so as a, you know, a five-year addictions counselor with no awareness that I grew up in um, what I would call an alcoholic home, you're, you're kind of taking a bit of a kick to the ego, Right. right. You know, and, and so part of that recognizing that, you know, you, you know, being an addictions counselor, you, you know, you can sew that you can sew that badge on your shirt and wear that for as long as you want. And, and you know, oh, look at me, look at me go because everything on, on paper looked great. But what was happening inside my body was falling apart. Right. And so, you know, so just recognizing just the demands that I put on myself and the stress and the perfectionism and, and you know, could I even say no if I wanted to? Right. And then how was that, you know, how was that being developed as I was growing up in, in my in my home? Right. right. So if you think of a parent of a child with RAD in that crisis state, uh, I think it's very relatable to what you're going through. But pulling yourself out of that mindset, I I think that level of crisis for a rad parent is that there doesn't, you don't even feel like you have the ability or the strength to focus on yourself or pull yourself out of that because your rad kid is taking up everything that you have. So is there, 
I don't know, do you have a suggestion or what would you say to parents who are in that to help pull them out? Because what, what happens later is, you know, it's almost like you hit retirement and you've saved all your money. And then now you get sick once you're off your job kind of thing. So these parents, I think, give everything to the child and don't even realize what they're giving up, but there's just that element of, I I'm too tired. I can't even focus. I have no time. This kid, if I do this, this will oops happen. How do you pull yourself out of such a, a chaotic and how do you pull yourself out of that crisis if you don't even feel like you can? Well, and that's the, you know, I mean, that's a key question right there is it's like, you know, you know, at some point there needs to be a breaking point. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I know for me, I, I would just lump more stuff on. Right. So, so I grew up in chaos. So why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I, you know, try to see how much more chaos I can, I can, you know, take on. Right? And is that what felt comfortable to you was the chaos? Was that Ab- your absolutely. normal? Yeah, that was my that was my normal. And so part of that is just like, and so that's where I, you know, really what it was happening was not only was that normal, but that's where I got my, you know, that's where I got my identity. That's where I got my worthiness. That's when I was lovable, you know, my lovability was in all of those moments of chaos. Right. And so unfortunately, that was all external to me. So I needed I needed to to manage and 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 uh, you know manage these crises so that I could feel good so that I had meaning so that I had an identity. Whereas right. re- really, what ends up happening is you know what what if what if we were just lovable by birthright, right? And and that we we took that in as and and we didn't have to do more, right? That's what I learned for myself. Right. And so, like I said, you know, like, you know, I'm a pretty intelligent person, but what ends up happening is when you're stuck in these systems, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I'll speak only for my system, you know, growing up in an alcoholic home, these systems uh, tend to, uh, you know, there's a level of delusion and denial that go along with it. And so, you know, so, you know, being a fourth year or fifth year, you know, addictions counselor, not even having a clue that I grew up in an alcoholic home. (laughs) Wow. Right. Or dysfunctional home, however, right. you to, however you want to frame that. Right. So, <laughs> sure. Right. And so we're, so what ends up happening is we just end up giving all of ourselves away and there's nothing left for ourselves. It's when we actually start taking care of ourselves, or at least for me, when I started taking care of myself, asking for help around this. And so, you know, I found going to uh, Al-Anon meetings hugely helpful. Right. And so Al-Anon, again, is, is, you know, no different than I, you know, directed that, you know, that one lady to, to go to, to meetings, you know, for somebody with, with alcoholism. What was happening for me was I got to, I got to experience uh, myself, you know, while I was there. Right. And so part of that was, was like, there was my, there was, you know, me being able to, to, to nurture myself and actually hear what other people had already, you know, that have, have gone, have gone through. And I think that's why this platform, you know, is fantastic. And I, like I said, kudos to you, Tracy, for, you know, allowing people to, to speak their truth here um, because we get stuck in our own insanity and we don't understand that other people are going through it as well. Right. Right. So validation, validation is huge. 
Yeah, I would agree. Just you're right. Uh, validation is, is huge. And that sense of you're not alone and your situation might be a little different, but there's a group of you all experiencing the same thing. Yeah. 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 And so you were saying there almost needs to be a, a breaking point in order to help yourself. I'm thinking of these parents and what I was leading to before was, you know, that chronic stress oftentimes like people in retirement, or if you're, you know, these parents, including myself going through this chronic stress, you can end up sick yourself, right? So you get through this, or maybe you never get through it, but then on top of it, you end up with some kind of illness, whether it be chronic or immediate. And that's definitely happening with parents, but I guess you're saying there needs to be a breaking point in order to reach out for that help and start recognizing that you need it. I think part of it is like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm so stubborn, Tracy, you couldn't tell me anything to begin with. Right. Right. And so, and so because my worthiness is, is tied into being the professional or it's tied into being, you know, hugely competent or it's tied into, um, you know, just survival. Yeah. Survival and, and, and knowing, you know, knowing what to do or, or or pretending that I know what to do, even when I don't, you know, it all just comes down to, there needs to be, you know, sometimes you just need to hit bottom. Right. You know, so, and and I think part of that is, it's like, you know, when do we, when do we define bottom? Right. And so maybe, you know, maybe part of that is, it's like, you know, do we need to wait till, you know, till the house is on fire. Right. And, and I I say, I, I don't mean that as in like, you know, I mean that as, as, uh, uh, theoretical opposed to, you know, waiting till the house is on fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and I think, I think maybe more, more, you know, more spiritually, you know, house on fire. And yeah. so part of that is tapping into like, you know, why do I expend, you know, or at least for me asking that question, why am I continuing just to expend so much, you know, energy and not be able to focus or, or not, not being be able to focus and pull myself up, up. And I know, I know that that's the system that people are going through. Right. right. And I, I think the, I think the road signs for me, as I, as I started getting into my own recovery, um, was, was using my body as a, um, as a, as a barometer. Right. So recognizing when, you know, when my, you know, you know, my stomach drops out, I need to, I need time. Right. I need help. Yeah. And I think what can happen too is in, in situations, raising a child with rad is that there's that parental feature of, I've got to do everything for this child. Mm. And then that path of control and seeking, just looking for any way to fix the situation anyway, anyway. And, Mm. and then feeling like the adult who signed on for that and has to do it. And so it's hard to let go of that and understand sometimes you can't control the situation or the child or the outcome of what is going to happen, no matter how much you do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important for parents to start recognizing that in some way, even the smallest step that you have to let go of some of that somehow, even when it feels impossible. Mm So talk about some of the work that you do with families, some of the therapy and how that can be helpful. 
Um, well, so for me, what I do is, is I, I kind of, I kind of base it off of what I've, you know, what I've done for myself. It, it really kind of involves boundaries, right? So I do a lot of boundary work with people. And, and so recognizing what's it like, what's it like to claim space in the room for yourself? What's it like to take time for yourself? What's it like to actually breathe your body? Um, and this move, moves more into um, like the, the uh, IBP. And that, that's the integrated body psychotherapy aspect of, of what I do. And so really what we're coming back to is, is body work, breath work, and boundary work. Um, and the reason, um, you know, the reason that, um, you know, I kind of gravitated to that type of work and, and that modality of therapy is because our brains are fantastic. Um, it's just recognizing that our brains can make up a lot of a, a lot of things. And, and my brain growing up in a, you know, in this dysfunctional home, it, it was always like one degree off reality. Right. And so so I kind of I kind of look at that as like a ship that if you're kind of one degree off and you're heading for Japan, you're not going to make it. Right. right? You're, you're, you're not going to make to where you want to go. And so, you know, for me, you know, I needed to get into my body. I needed to start to, to, to recognize this is what's happening for me. Like when my, when my stomach drops out, when my throat gets tight, you know, when my heart is aching, um, you know, when my hands are shaking, you know, those are the pieces where I need, I need to start to attend to what's happening on the inside for me. And right? people do come to you in crisis, you were saying. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. They do. You know, when somebody's in crisis, it's usually like there's one, you know, one particular, you know, aspect, and usually it has to do with the body and or, or like a relational, like a relational piece or, or along those lines. And so what ends up happening is, is, you know, they, they want a, a quick fix for what's what's happening, you know, let's make it right. And then let's move on. And unfortunately, there's no, you know, yes, you can get through the crisis. But what needs to happen is the work on the inside, right? And so, yes, we can get through, you know, yes, we can get through, you know, my wife is, you know, upset with me right now, you know, so how, like, the question is, it's like, so how did we get here? You know, what are the underlying uh, patterns, you know, and these are going to be family patterns, like no different than the, the family patterns that I grew up in. What are the, fa- what are the patterns that, you know, that we you know, try to try to soothe ourselves or, you know, or try to avoid stress or try to calm ourselves down. What are those patterns that are not working in these relationships? And you said something when we were talking before the show started about the focus is fixing in terms of rad. Anyway, the focus is fixing the rad child, which is part of it. But then Mm -hmm. you said that then we all think everything's going to be better and okay and it's not yeah sure um and i think what i want to do is, is also kind of put this in in context of of you know I, I don't know directly if i've ever you know encountered a rad child um when i was working with one gentleman um in the community and he would he would have been older but like his behavior would very much match what we're what we're talking about, you know, a lot of manipulation, a lot of triangulation, you know, like even how this person, you know, got into the care that he was in, um, you know, it was the wrong phone call to the right people kind of thing. <laughs> okay, uh, right? That's, like, that seems to be an you know, ongoing theme is that now somebody's over, you know, overreacted doesn't understand the rad the rad child. And now this this person is now being pulled out of a decent system and then and then put it being put into care. And so under, 
you know, under uh, that care, I was uh, brought in to oversee, you know, some very simple, some very simple things. But what was happening with the, the worker prior to me working with this gentleman was this, you know, and his words were, this guy burnt me out. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm literally chasing this person down, you know, like, you know, driving all over Nanaimo to, to you know, head up and, and like try to get our marks and, 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 you know, so a lot of controlling behavior and anger on my part. Cause I'm like, you know, he's not where he's supposed to be when he says he's going to be there. And, you know, and so, you know, it ended up being like, I was like, you know, the guy's coffee card. And so we, you know, so I, I asked my, my, my team that I was working with. So, you know, what, this person that we're working with, what have we tried? And they're like, oh, we threw everything in the kitchen sink. We've done everything. We've tried to control it. We've, you know, you know, you know, done everything. We've done the nice, we've done that. And I'm like, okay, what if we stop doing all of that? What if that just stops, right? Because I could feel, I could feel my body, you know, starting to, you know, to, to shake and I could feel the anxiety and like, you know, I'm supposed to be doing more and more with this person and we need to, you know, move this forward and, and you know, somehow that there was a goal here. But really when I pulled away from it, you know, there, you know, I could, I could come back to, you know, this is within my boundary, right? This, if this guy doesn't want to, you know, pay his bills, and pay his phone bills, the natural consequences are his phone's going to get cut off and his visa is going to get, you know, shut down. And, you know, so those were the natural consequences that were going on. But I was recognizing first and foremost, what it was doing to the, the gentleman that, that happened before, you know, that, that was working with him before. And then secondly, like, so how much resources and how much stuff are we throwing into this? And then where can I come back to myself and actually come back to our team and look at this and go, why, why are we, why are we throwing all this stuff, you know, into, you know, something that this gentleman doesn't want? Yeah. You know, I think a light bulb just went on for me, especially around, well, what you're saying about boundaries, because often, and it's not always, you know, rad kids uh, can be through adoption or biology. And so, but I think either way, because of the lack of knowledge around it and services around it, I think what happens to families really is it's, you're dealing with something you don't even know what it is, but you know, it's not right. You're doing all the things and just like every other family, but you're not getting the same reactions or results. And so you, and then it becomes chaotic and crazy from there. So I think whether it's biological or adoption, you, you don't even know to set boundaries because you don't even expect this to happen. And then it happens and blows up that you just, again, get into that survival mode of fix it, fix it, save ourselves, you know, get this kid help or get them out or whatever, that that whole sense of setting boundaries just doesn't even come into the picture. Yeah. And so for me, the light bulb's going on because, huh, it's giving um, parents permission and maybe just the awareness that you didn't have time to do this, but you can start, right. There's a, a place sure. to at least take this in and figure out how you can, how you can do that for yourself. Yeah. And, and like, I, like I said, that, you know, for me, for me, you know, growing up in my family system, setting a boundary was a dangerous thing. Hmm. Right. And so, so why would I, why would I do that? You know, like on a cellular level, you know, in my body, you know, it would be dangerous for me to, 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 to set a boundary in my family of origin, right? 
you know, and so everything in, in my body would say, you know, you're going to die if you don't, if you, if you do that, right. right? No, diff- no different than the rad child. You know, if I, if I'm intimate, right, I'm going to die. Right. Right. There's that level of vulnerability. Right. And I think the brilliant part is, is like when uh, I was listening to, to Dr. Leem, I, be- I believe his name is, or Lean, he, like one of the things that I, I quoted from him was the gift in the, in the, you know, the strange package, right is it like it brings out it brings out those you know those insecurities for for me this gentleman brought out my own insecurities right he was bringing out like you're not good enough you can't deal with me right and and some some guy who can you know wander around with a you know an an addictions badge on his shoulder and and you know have a wealth of knowledge and you know you know like i said everything looked good on paper but you know all those insecurities are going to come out I'm not a good worker, you know, I'm not a good father, I'm not a good husband, all those things are there, right? And so part of that is, is like, oh, no, hang on a sec here, is this reality, right? And I, I think the rad child brings that out, right? And Definitely. And, right. And so, and so part of that is, is like, so, you know, when we come back to ourselves, right, how are we basing our, our you know, how are we basing our worth, our lovability? How are we basing, you know? And so for me, I, I, you know, I externalized that. It was like, I was good when you told me I was good. Hmm. That's deep. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's a lot of, it is, a, it is work, right? It is work. It is work. And so part of that is just like when you're working with a therapist, you know, their job is to, to recognize that, you know, I mean, I talk about it for myself and, you know, kind of reflect on my, you know, my biggest, you know, my biggest, you know, fault or whatever is just not being good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you want to push my button, it's, you know, I'm not good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And whatever avenue that may be, you know, right. it could be as simple as driving down. It could be as simple as driving down the street and somebody gives me a side look. Right. <laughs> it hits that button. And then all of a sudden now my, you know, now my uh, all my defense mechanisms kick in. Right. And so that's the trauma brain. Right. That's what we for me, that's what I grew up in. And so when that trauma brain is activated. Right. And so when we talk about the PTSD, now we've got a nervous system that is highly elevated. And now now we need to learn how do we you know, how do we reduce that, you know, that cortisol? How do we start to reduce that? You know, all the, uh, you know, neurochemicals that are being released, you know, in order for us to be in that fight, flight or flea mode. Right. Mm hmm. And so for me, that's, you know, okay, check, you know, part of it is reality checking, right? You know, meanwhile, I, you know, I look over at the car next to me and, you know, they're flapping their arms and whatever. And I'm thinking they're talking about me, but they're, you know, they're on their headpiece. Right. right? Or, or they're singing. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, reality says has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Look at right? the evidence versus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The brain creating safety. Brain creating safety. Yeah. Um, yeah. So part of that is, it's like, you know, we learn certain things growing up in our, in our family of origin. And so, um, you know, our, our brains, our brains, you know, they just want to keep us, they want to keep us safe. Right. And, and so part of that too, is, is like our brains don't like uncertainty. Right. And so it really kind of, it kind of, I think it jars against, jars against the uncertainty of, of life. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it, 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 it really wants to hedge our bets. 
right? And so when I say that, it means that, you know, like we want the best, you know, we want the best outcomes, you know, so what ends up happening is we want to control the, we want to control, uh, we want to control life. Right. Um, and, And in that, you know, then we don't have to feel the vulnerability, then we don't have to go into into our bodies and feel the uncomfortability or the uncertainty of, I don't have any control over this situation. And so part of that is just recognizing, wow, I, you know, I'm kind of powerless in these in these scenarios, or I'm powerless. But what I do have control over is what's going on for me. That is huge. I think as a rad parent hearing that is huge and needed. We need to hear that Mm -hmm. because we always put ourselves last. Yeah. Right. And again, it's survival. And so when you get in that survival mode, uh, it feels like there's no way out, Mm -hmm. right. To stop and check in and, you know, regular self-help stuff doesn't work. You don't have time or you're just too stressed. You can't even, you can't even, you know, imagine yourself doing that. So what you, you just said is huge. When I think part of this, like when you're in crisis, when you're in crisis, um, you know, your, your brain, your brain is going to kick in. Right. And so, you know, so part of that is, and, and, and so we're going to go through the, the, our, our, our own patterns of trying to control and reduce and, and, you know, try to, you know, damage control what's happening. Definitely. Right. You're, so you're in fight mode. Right. And so part of that is, it's like, you know, it's just like, so, you know, how do we, how do we come back to ourselves? Right. And, you know, like, and, and like, I don't, I, you know, for me, I'm not, I'm not wagging my finger at anybody. Cause I do, I do this, you know, I still do this, right. It's my DNA, it's in my DNA. Right. And so when I do work, you know, like, you know, as we talk about these things, I'm highly aware of when I'm with a client in a room and I'm actually putting out my boundary and I will literally take uh, what I use is, um, is wool. And I, I put I put my boundary out and recognizing that, you know, growing up, the, the patterns that I use growing up are right there in the room with my client. Hmm. Right. And so part of that is recognizing that all my defense mechanisms are right there. I will only be a good counselor or a good therapist if I make it better for this person. My anxiety starts going, you know, and, and, and so I'm like, okay, how do I calm my system down with every client that I see? I take a breath. I get in my body. I start to reality check. What would it be like if just Dwayne were to show up in this moment? Oh, I could be vulnerable. I could be attentive. I can be present. Those are the pieces. Those are my skills. Those are my tools. That's where I have to come from. Anything else is anxiety and, and, you know, just trying to control the situation, which goes south quickly. I bet. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Hey, Rad Parents. Have you ever wondered how it would feel to tell your story? It just might be your story that changes a life and helps someone. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, go to radtalkwithtracy.com, click on the podcast link and apply. What would you tell somebody who is in crisis is what would be a starting place, an easy place to start pulling out of, because anything's going to feel huge to a parent in this and impossible, almost impossible. Yeah. So is there something that you would tell that person or could tell that person or something they could do just to 
break that, that survival mode a little bit or tap mm. into it a little bit to help slowly pull, pull out to some kind of safety, even for, you know, no matter how small. Yeah. Like breathing, right. Like, you, you know, and, and, you know, everybody's like, Oh, well, you know, I breathe all the time, you know, and, and sure. Okay. But what ends up happening for me is that I, I breathe, you know, I breathe very, very shallow, right. Because I'm in, I'm, you know, you know, my body is, it, it always feels like it's under attack. Right. And, and so part of that is recognizing, can I take a deep breath? Can I start to, you know, bring myself into the present moment? Right. You know, what can I do? What can I do? um, to, 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 to slow things down. Right. And I would imagine no different than, you know, working at a treatment center, it's kind of like being on a moving train. Right. And so you're always hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what we want to do is start to remove ourselves from that hyper vigilant place. Right. I would say first and foremost, go get help. Right. And, and just start, you know, start inserting, you know, start inserting structures of, uh, you know, advocacy for, for yourself, you know, because you're, you're the primary, you're the primary person. And so, you know, and you're, you're the person that, you know, you need to take care of yourself. And, and so I, I know that that might be like, well, that's, you know, that's in, you know, two hours out of my day to go and drive to see a therapist or whatever, but really that's where it's, that's where it starts is like insert those things, you know, into your day, you know, if it's, if it's at all possible. Right. You know, I think the the hard part of that is it's like, but I'm on all the time, mm-hmm. right? I have to be hyper vigilant all the time, and that's a hard piece to let go of, right? right? Or if I step away, this will happen. If I leave for this moment, or right. and you're right, you're the person, and so you know, I'm just thinking about my own situation. Cause sometimes I'm here. So I'm like, Oh, take a breath where, when, Oh, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I'm yeah. going back into that yeah. survival mode, but nope, it's true. And it's a big mindset shift to, and I think really it is about letting go of that control as the parent and feeling responsible for everything to do everything. Because at least when it come, when rad comes to you through adoption, coming from a system that can't help or fix this child. So how are you as a parent, a sole parent expected to fix it all yourself? It's crazy. So if a large system can't care for that child and do what they need to do in most situations, I mean, there is great therapy out there. It's just not always accessible or -hmm. it's expensive. You know, there's a lot of barriers to it. And so I think letting go of that control or knowing it's okay to let go of that and take care of yourself because it's everything you're saying. You're the person, you're the primary caregiver if they don't have you, but you also can't be expected to fix everything. And it's okay to step aside and let go of some of that control, change your mindset and start taking care of yourself. When as a clinician, what I would be asking is like, why do we feel like we have to fix it? Mm. Right. And so, so, and, and, you know, you know, for me, I don't mean that as a, as a, as a shaming blaming piece. Cause I put that lens on myself and I say, because what I grew up in. Right. And so, so that continues to play out. Right. Right. And so again, it's, it's like, you know, when we know that about ourselves, you know, we can now look at this and go, wow, some of this is my stuff. 
Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to separate myself as like, as um, you know, somebody uh, you know, who knows everything in, 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 in this, but what I do want to do is offer who I am. And I, and I think that's what I do offer. Like when it comes to uh, working with my clients, you know, I may not always have the right answers, but you know, we'll get there eventually. Like we'll, we'll get to, and usually it's because there's a level of authenticity that I come to in myself. And that took a long time. That's not an overnight kind of thing. Right. And so, you know, it, it's getting to know yourself you know, I can, I can have boundaries and still be lovable. I can say no, and the party doesn't have to stop. You know, I can, you know, you know, th- those kind of things, right? And I'm not a bad person for advocating for myself, right? I can tell a person, you know, that, that their behavior is unacceptable, and I can still be lovable in that moment. And if they treat me different than that relationship, we need to question that relationship. What, well, what is it, uh, you know, in this relationship? It's a little bit different with a, a rad child because there's a level of responsibility, but I don't need to hang my hat on, you know, I'm only lovable when. And I think one of the tough things too is for a lot of rad parents, there doesn't feel like there's a way out because there aren't the services, especially families that have extreme cases mm-hmm. and, you know, they're living in fear and terror, Yeah. Uh, you know, alarms in the home, sleeping mm-hmm. with one eye open, a knife under the pillow kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's nowhere to send that child. Yeah. You know, they, the, they always come back home or there's no place suitable. They get turned down from places. How do you live in that kind of fear with no way out? Or what feels like no way out. Well, and, and and I think that's a I think that's a failure of our system, right? To, right? to be honest with you, I think I think you know, you know, I think I think people are are you know, and I don't like I said I I don't know how the system works, and I don't really know how the adoption thing works, but I think you know out of the goodness of of people's hearts, they take you know they they take adopted children and and they want to raise them. Right. And, and so, you know, so from that, from that, you know, um, you know, some of the things that I was listening to is that, is that there, you know, early diagnosis is, is very difficult. Um, you know, having funding attached to the child is very, you know, it's hard to get. Again, we're, we're in two different, you know, two different systems, like you're in, a, in an American system and we're in the Canadian system, um, you know, where, where we've got universal health care. You know, there's just, you know, there's just a lack of funding. Right. And so, you know, with the, even even with the individuals that I was overseeing, um, y- you know, with with intellectual disabilities, um, you know, so usually like uh, autism, um, ADHD, you know, ADHD and and, um, and fetal alcohol sy- uh, sy- syndrome, you know, there, there, there was just no there was no fu- not, not a lot of funding, you know, and not a lot of resources. And the two, you know, the two, you know, pillar resources you know, you would send one person to, to one resource for mental health. They would say, this is not our pocket of money. We're going to send you back to another pocket of money. And it would be like, but, but we don't know mental health. So you would have this ping pong table, you know, of back and forth. And, and so really what it fell down to was, you know, how can society support these people? Right. Right. Which is, you know, very difficult. Very difficult and a big, big issue for sure a big yeah. gap, right big it's a gap. Big gap in services and that was and that's what was you know like that's what my you know my thesis was all about was the gaps in services so it makes it it makes it very difficult right it makes it very difficult because again it goes back to that broken system and even a biological child there's just nowhere 
-hmm. you know, once these things start happening, I think that's the worst case scenario is the families that really, you know, can't, I mean, you know, helping yourself, you really have no chance, but to live in survival mode Mm -hmm. because it's so dangerous for you. Yeah. And you're right. It is a systemic issue. And I know there's a lot of good places out there starting to make change, but it just raises the raises the issue again, that it's a broken system in that area. And, uh, and what's sad about it is the families and the kids that are suffering because of it and just left to fend for themselves. Yeah. And I think part of like, you know, like, you know, you know, just sort of off the top of my head, like early, early diagnosis. And then, you know, how do you start, you know, how do you start, you know, kicking in the right doors early? Right. Right. And so, you know, so it's just like, you know, what pot of funding, you know, can I get and, and, you know, like, what's this going to look like? And, you know, when can we get, you know, early therapy? How can I get early therapy for myself? Um, You know, what kind of respite can I get and really kind of advocating for yourself. And I, I know for myself, like, you know, working in the addictions field, you know, I never felt like I should be asking for help. I never felt like, you know, I was the cowboy. Right. Right. right? So the unfortunate (laughs) part is, it's like, well, I'm only lovable. I'm only, you know, skillful. I'm if I do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. Right. So that self-reliance was like, it was, it was detrimental to me. Yeah. You need to toss that out. And, and that's true. You know, the more that I'm talking with different experts um, and families, it really does come down to at least this point in time. And with the systems that we have, you have to be your own advocate or find advocates that can help you and organizations that do exist. But, you know, I was talking with another expert who was saying, just get on the phone and start calling. And the unfortunate thing is you're already burnt out and stressed out as a parent. And then you're having to take on the job of a caseworker, you know, or, and all of that, which you don't have energy for, but unfortunately right now, that's what it requires is, you know, being your own advocate and, and the early intervention piece. And I love how you said not only early intervention for the kid, but early intervention for the parent too. Mm -hmm. So to make sure that when you are uh, seeking out and, you know, looking for therapy or RTCs or, you know, schools, whatever, um, to make sure that you're including yourself as the parent in that too. And I think part of, I think part of what you are doing here is just like, is, is, you know, you're starting to build those resources, you're starting to get a, a you know the the community of people together right and and i think that's hugely important because what what ends up happening is it's like you know you start you have to start to streamline something somewhere right because you know a, a lot of you know a lot of people have have carried you know huge heavy sacks to 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 get to you know to get to the point where you know at least at very least this is what we did right so you're paving those you know you're paving those those lines for other people Right. And so you're, you're streamlining, oh, you know, like even, even just, you know, asking the right question of like, where do we take, you know, where do we take a person that has, you know, has this diagnosis, you know, even the system starts to get a little bit faster because, oh, I just saw that, you know, I just saw that. Right. Or this is coming up again. Right. Yeah. 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 Very true. Very true. I think it's just nice to have a community or let people know that there is a community and we can band together. And it's true. The more people that I talk with, I'm learning so much. And I love that that's being passed on too, because I would have loved to know half of this when I was going through it or, you know, yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else 
you would like to share? Just a lot of hope for people, you know, I, I think, you know, I think that there is, you know, when, when I, I know for me is that I got a lot of hope when I started looking at myself, I, you know, I, I keep coming back to that sort of the, the gift in the, in the, in the strange package that, that uh, Forrest Lean was talking about. And, and I think he quoted that from somebody else, but I'm not sure who that was, you know, is just recognizing that there's an opportunity there for us to look at ourselves in, an, in a deeper way. And, you know, recognize that, you know, we, we, we carry our own stuff as well. And so, you know, so it's a, it's a, you know, definitely a journey inward and that can be a spiritual journey that can be a, a reclaiming of, you know, who we truly are. And, you know, it's not easy, you know, it's not easy and it takes time. And, you know, and I, I, you know, my heart goes out to, to the parents and, and, you know, uh, you know, of, of rad children, because, you know, time, time doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, a commodity, right? It, it seems to, you know, it, it's not something <laughs> that you have at your fingertips, right? Right. And, and so, you know, so that's where, you know, that's where the importance of, you know, whether it be with a spouse, like, can, you know, can I get spelled off for some time or, you know, and I look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how the, the family system works. So, you know, but it, I, like, I will say the importance of, of taking time and, you know, taking those breaths and, you know, yeah. you know, coming, Hard. coming back to self. Right. And Ask. talking to people like you who can offer strategies and, and help through that crisis mm -hmm. yeah. and helping the parents, not just the kids, but the parents get through that as, and couples, right. Because it, it plays on a, just like I'm oh. sure a lot of things do, but the triangulation, the manipulation. And I mean, if it doesn't just test you, it tests your marriage. Yeah. Who, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so just knowing that there's people out there with some kind of understanding or openness and, mm -hmm. and validating that it's okay to take care of you and go get help yourself just as much as you do for your, for your rad kiddo. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, part of that too, is it's like, you know, nourishing your relationship with your spouse. Right. And so, you know, I mean, that's how, that's how you, you know, learn about yourself as in relationship, right. No different than that. You know, that the rad child, they're going to show you who you are also your relationship with your husband, right. And, or, or your partner, right. Is, is, is recognizing that they're also going to show you who you are. Right. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah, so, it is. It is. Yeah. So, you know, so we always have a, we always have a opportunity, you know, to look in the mirror. Right. And, and so, you know, who, who am I in these moments? And, you know, part of that is, it's like, you know, when my head's on fire and I'm angry and whatever, I can still be lovable. I can still be worthy. I can still, you know, acknowledge that I'm having a tough time right now. And I can still take the time to acknowledge that I'm a good person right. or that, I, you know, that, that, that I'm doing the best that I can, you know, and I think people just need to know that they need to know that about themselves. And, and, you know, like, we don't, we don't like the, we don't like the, you know, I would call it like maybe the shadow side of who we are. We don't like the sort of the uglier sides of who we are, the anger, the, you know, the, the fear, the resentment, we don't like those parts, but they're part of who we are and we need to we need to you know we kind of need to sit with that part of ourselves as well and recognize that that person and that you know there, there's stuff that's hurting but it's okay it's a, we're okay and we're lovable even when we're hurting right we're okay and we're lovable even when you know we're, we're feeling a little bit broken or you know like you know 10 courts you know low right right so right so it's lots of, you know, lots of, you know, lots of compassion for the self.
And that's not easy, right? It's not easy, especially when you're in a traumatic experience. Yeah. 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 So, well, it's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you've shared today. And if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you, Dwayne? Um, they can go to my website, they, uh, the Dwayne Orser Counseling Services. They can Google search that. You know, my, all my contact information is there. So Dwayne Orser, O-R-S-E-R, Counseling Services. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks again. Thank you so, so much. No problem. And thank you, Tracy. Thanks for, you know, thanks for doing this. This is, this is a good avenue for people. It's a great resource. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.